It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. With the Miami Dolphins out of mandatory minicamp and into their final break before the start of training camp, now is the perfect time to compare our 2023 Miami Dolphins offseason blueprint to the actual job done by general manager Chris Greer and compare the pathway that I would have taken for this Dolphins roster to what has actually materialized. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Monday, June 12th, 2023. Special shout out to our everydayers who are locked in with us on a daily basis because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, ready to dig in. And... If you're familiar with my work, great, then you'll understand where uh, we're going today on the show. But if you're new to the program, and there are some of you who are new, and I don't want to leave you guys behind, every offseason, you know, I've been in the NFL draft space at Draftnik for about uh, 10 years now, I have this avid passion for the team-building component um, across the NFL, all the different strategies that general managers implement, uh, how to maximize salary cap, how to maximize your resources, so on and so forth. Every offseason, we do a mock offseason. And this year's was called the 2023 Miami Dolphins Offseason Blueprint. And it is my elected personnel moves between free agency, the NFL draft, trades, salary cap cuts, contract restructures, the works, everything that Chris Greer's responsible for, I put my own GM hat on for and gave it my best try. And the key was it had to be done, the whole thing. Free agents, 53-man roster projection, mock draft, all of it had to be done by the start of the league calendar year when the legal tampering period opened the second week in March. So I shot my shot way back in February and said, look, this is how it would look like if I were doing it. And getting a chance to compare what I would have done versus what we actually have is what we're going to do today on the show. I'm very excited for this because it's a great chance to apply some hindsight and compare to foresight, you know, trying to, to judge things before they happen. And of course, this Dolphins roster is not complete. There's contract extensions that may ultimately get done. There's a running back on the free agent market that might end up signing with your football team. We're probably going to need a defensive tackle of some kind, and you'll see that when we get to the 53-man roster projection 
who your fourth projected defensive tackle is right now. This roster's not done, but now that we're through mandatory minicamp and the Dolphins are off and onto their break, as we begin this final kind of lull before the start of training camp and business really picks up here in the next six weeks, now is the perfect time to kind of look back on everything that we prognosticated or everything that I said that I would do and compare and contrast. So what I'm going to do for those of you who are here on the YouTube channel is I'm going to pull up a sheet and it has on the left-hand side the Locked on Dolphins offseason blueprint, the position group, the players that I had on my 53-man roster forecast back in February, and their forecasted salary cap hit. And on the right is the actual product that we have. So you're actually getting a 53-man roster projection in this episode as well, plus the uh, actual salary cap space as well. So with that in mind, if you're not on YouTube, no worries. We're going to talk through the whole thing position group by position group. My offseason blueprint had the Dolphins going into the season with 53 players under contract and about $16.5 million, $16 million in cap space. Now, that included a hypothetically Christian Wilkins contract extension. So don't read too much into the salary cap space because in reality, based off the contracts that have been committed to at this point in time, uh, the Dolphins on my 53-man roster projection are looking, as things currently stand, at about $15.1 million in cap space for the rest of the season. Now, again, there's players that will need to be signed. You need a defensive tackle. You'll probably need a linebacker. You might sign a running back. That, that number will be different, but this is where things stand right now. So my blueprint cap space of 16.4 is marginally higher than the reality of where we are facing right now. But there are personnel moves to be made. For example, do you keep Cedric Wilson? Do you move on from Cedric Wilson? Well, Cedric Wilson, if you can find a trade partner, you can offload $5 million. Not that that is an easy feat. Plus Christian Wilkins' contract extension, so on and so forth. I also would have uh, extended Connor Williams by now. Uh, that was on my to-do list. Uh, but quarterback, I had three quarterbacks on the initial 53-man roster projection. We have three quarterbacks. Skylar Thompson, Tua Tonga Below, of course, incumbents from last year. Uh, Taylor Heineke was kind of the guy that I had hand-selected as I thought the most appealing. He got a bigger contract than Mike White did, uh, and the Dolphins stuffed some incentives into the Mike White deal that I think makes it uh, a more attractive maneuver. It's you know, trying to forecast what Heineke was going to sign for. I budgeted $4 million, and Mike White's currently on the books for $2.8 uh, with incentive dollars based on how much playing time he receives and the success that the team has. So I do think with Tua Tungvaloa's injury history, forecasting the Dolphins to roster three quarterbacks is probably the smart decision, especially with Skylar Thompson having some playing experience last year. Hopefully that's a catalyst for big-time growth for him to kind of help him continue to develop his play, but there's a familiarity there that now exists. He's less than $900,000 against the salary cap. It makes a bunch of sense. Uh, I do like the fact that they went out and they got a quality depth option at the quarterback position in Mike White. It's the same kind of bucket that I assessed that Taylor Heineke would fit in as well. So no surprises at the quarterback position. Uh, the Dolphins ultimately choosing to run back the entire thing. At the running back position with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert and obviously Alex Ingold, Alec Ingold, um, Savan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin were also brought back. I don't know that they make the roster, and this was really what got tough for me in doing this process was 
getting down the 53 players, which is the sign of a good roster. But ultimately for me, I was looking at this group. I had 58 players and I didn't want to cut anybody. So that's how you know the Dolphins have a good roster. When you have more players than you can actively roster. It's a good problem to have, but that included uh, Savan Ahmed being a cut. And if the Dolphins ultimately end up going out and adding Dalvin Cook to this mix, you're kind of challenged to do the math and figure out, are you going to carry five running backs? I currently have four running backs or three running backs and a fullback on this roster. Ingold, of, of course, uh, at the fullback position was so good for Miami last year as a fullback. Um, but the blueprint group that I had was Raheem Mostert, veteran running back Jarek McKinnon, rookie draft pick Israel Abanacanda, and then Alec Ingold. We have Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Devon Chain, and Alec Ingold. So a rookie, a quality depth piece, Raheem Mostert brought back. I think Miami did a really nice job with both that contract and the Jeff Wilson contract to get good values and get them back in-house. Wide receivers, uh, the top is the top. Uh, I, I did the max restructure for Tyreek Hill. Now, I did add a void year onto the back end of the, the contract restructure for Tyreek Hill in my workings. Miami did not do that. So there's about a million-dollar discrepancy in the contract value in cap hit for Tyreek Hill that I came up with versus what the Dolphins actually did. But getting him down to $12.8 million is uh, not a, a bad number at all to have to deal with. Uh, Jalen Waddell, of course, on his rookie contract. I was hoping to have found a trade partner for Cedric Wilson. I had Trent Sherfield back. I had River Craycraft back. I had them picking Darius Davis as a return specialist uh, late in the NFL draft in the mock draft that I did. Or if I were to forecast the 53 right now, I'd have Hill, Waddell, Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios, Chosen Anderson, or Robbie Chosen, I believe is, is what he would like to go by. Uh, and then Eric Ezukam is a, a rookie draft pick. I would like to think River Craycraft can get onto this practice squad and, and kind of be in the same situation that he was last year. I don't want to lose him, but I also can't carry five running backs and seven wide receivers and six tight ends, which is kind of the math problem the Dolphins have. Now, it's a good problem to have because you have a surplus of depth, but picking the right players is going to be kind of the essential challenge for Miami through all of this. And then the tight end position, I have the Dolphins carrying four. Eric Saubert, Durham Smythe, rookie Elijah Higgins, and Tanner Connor, the UDFA from last year who they seemed really committed to. It hurt to cut Tyler Croft. But if I looked at the group that was here, I said, okay, I've got two quality depth options, a rookie and a developmental type. So two developmental types and two firm inline blockers, plus a fullback in Alec Ingle. Do I need a third quality depth option at the tight end position? No. Who is the least financial commitment? Tyler Croft. So I had to cut Tyler Croft in the 53-man roster forecast. Now, this room looks very different than what I had pieced together. Foster Moreau, tight end uh, from the Raiders. He ended up signing in Las Vegas after uh, being diagnosed with cancer during a uh, physical with New Orleans in a free agent visit. Uh, really inspiring story to see him bounce back. Uh, I, of course, would have pounded the table for Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. The Dolphins opted to go in a different direction, and I did not forecast Hunter Long to be a part of the trade for Jalen Ramsey. So the offseason blueprint tight end room of Foster Monroe, Darnell Washington, Hunter Long, Tanner Connor versus the actual tight end room 
of Eric Saubert, Durham Smythe, Elijah Higgins, Tanner Connor. I don't think the floor or the ceiling is quite as high, uh, but as we've kind of gone through over the course of the past couple weeks, the Dolphins don't really throw to tight ends. 12% of their targets to tight ends last year, that was 30th in the NFL. So you're willing to, to live with that. Now, we are going to continue here into the trenches, but before we do, now is the perfect time for you to make a fast break over to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. We are in the finals. Of course, the Heat looking to have to battle back from a 3-1 to deficit. The Florida Panthers looking to have to battle back from a 3-1 to deficit. Two eight seeds in the finals. Awesome stories for both of these teams. Do you think they can do it? If you do... You could probably get great odds over at FanDuel right now on the series outcome. And new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 in bonus bets back if your first bet with FanDuel does not hit. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So before we open back up to the trenches, I think the first thing that really pops to me is as I look at what we've come up with, the actual product, I think you have better depth getting Robbie Chosen and Braxton Berrios keeping Cedric Wilson, having Eric Saubert in tandem with Durham Smythe. I think you have better depth at the receiving group than what I was able to piece together. Now, the Dolphins are are still currently paying for it because between Braxton Barrios and Cedric Wilson, you've got about $11.5 million in cap space. Cedric's not going to be here next year because the Dolphins don't have that guaranteed salary to have to deal with. So that'll be an easy decision to make when there's not guaranteed money on the line. But I think that theme is exclusive to the offensive side of the ball. And we'll, we'll get to the defense here in a little bit. But again, we talked about, we have talked about on the show, improving the middle areas of the Dolphins' offense. Not the pillars, not the standalone players, not, not the cornerstones. We knew who those players were. You're not going to improve upon Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So instead, filling out the margins around them and having really good depth, I, I think is the vision. And it's, it's really well visualized here. If you are on the YouTube channel to be able to see the color coding, to see the adequate starters versus the quality depth options that we have here. There's a lot of quality depth that maybe aren't meant to be hallmark pieces of what you have offensively. But again, you know who those pieces are. So it gives you a little bit better peace of mind. Now, on the offensive line, let's continue here and talk about what they have constructed. Teron Armstead, uh, I was a really big fan of signing Trey Pipkins with the Chargers. He ultimately went back to the Chargers. 
uh, in a deal that was, I think, three for 24. I had forecasted, you know, he'd get $7 million or so. So the market was right. And instead, they went out and got Isaiah Wynn, who I think is the same bucket of player, just has more durability questions and did not play as well last season. But you got him for less than half of what you probably would have had to commit to just in year one for Trey Pipkins. Of course, Austin Jackson is back. The Dolphins signed Cedric Kukwehi, who's a long-term veteran who's kind of been around the league. And then in the interior offensive line, you have your two pillar pieces in Robert Hunt and Connor Williams. Uh, You can see if you're on the YouTube that the Connor Williams salary cap hit that I did back in February included a contract extension that reduced his salary cap by about $3 million this season. Now, that hasn't happened yet. Connor's on the books for almost $8.5 million in cap. But you have $15 million in cap space to use. Do you want to use some of that and get Connor extended? Or would you rather reduce the number, kick it out down the road, and add more pieces? They have the flexibility to make that decision. They did not sign Daniel Brunskill, who was a player that I was particularly interested in, obviously with his connections to Miami. He signed in Tennessee. I believe it was Tennessee. Uh, but instead, they signed Dan Feeney. They went the Jets route. And economically, I think those, those are comparable. They're, they're comparable financial commitments, I think, to one another. And I think Daniel Brunskill versus Dan Feeney is, I think Brunskill's probably a higher floor player. Uh, but they are both position flexible players. So the vision for how to use that roster spot uh, was the same as what Miami actually did when they went out and they they signed Dan Feeney. But uh, Brunskill signed in Tennessee on a deal that paid him. I'm pulling it up so I make sure I get the numbers exactly right here. Um, we'll see if Spot Tracks can cooperate. But Liam Eikenberg, obviously still back as well. Robert Jones, uh, still on a rookie contract. Uh, the Brunskill deal was two years for $6 million. There you go. So about $3 million per season. Dan Feeney got three and a quarter on a one-year deal. Familiar with the system. Played with the Jets. Obviously, Brunskill familiar with the system. Played in San Francisco. Uh, so a little interesting that their evaluation kind of came out with a different player for about the same financial approach. But we'll see ultimately what um, what opportunity Dan Feeney gets to push to, to crack the starting lineup. I think there's a lot of parallels between the forecasted group and the actual group. Uh, them restructuring Teron Armstead was a maneuver that I did not uh, necessarily want to advocate for because I want to keep flexibility with that Teron contract given his durability questions and the viability of getting out of that contract without a bunch of dead money that they're committed to. So uh, this offensive line from a cap perspective is a little bit friendlier this year than what I had forecasted because I was willing to ride it out with Teron and the contract that they gave him. But a lot of the names, obviously, uh, Pipkins versus Wynn and Brunskill versus Dan Feeney, plus Cedric Ogbwehi, I think, is another competent veteran swing tackle. I think it gives you a little bit more depth in that group, even if the ceiling for those players isn't particularly great. On the defensive line, boy, oh boy, do we have some work to do here. <laughs> uh, Wilkins, Sealer, Raekwon Davis, your top three. They're studs. They're, those are well-documented. Uh, P.J. Mustafer was a late-round mock draft selection in the offseason blueprint. The Dolphins did not pick an interior defensive lineman. 
Uh, and Colin Saunders was the other name that I had kind of soft circles. Now, I dropped the ball on this financial forecast. You know, I said, Saunders, you know, you could probably get him for a couple million dollars per season. He got a pretty impressive deal in free agency, and I think that certainly priced him out of being an obvious fit for the Dolphins, especially as somebody who is not going to crack your top two if you're going to go in even front looks with Wilkins and Sealer. But he signed a three-year, $12.3 million deal with the Saints. So more than twice what I thought you could get Colin Saunders for. So I understand why you're not in that market, right? But right now your fourth interior defensive lineman is Josiah Bronson. That can't be the reality that you live in. That's well-documented. We all know that. We're biding our time. Are we going to sign Keem Hicks? Are we going to sign Matt Ioannidis? Are we going to sign a true nose tackle? Are we going to trade for something? Like, we'll see. But Josiah Bronson's on the 53-man roster as a placeholder, and his $870,000 cap space hit is going to be larger with whoever they ultimately bring in. So just know the $15 million salary cap forecast as of right now, unless you actually do extend some of these guys, Christian Wilkins, Connor Williams and and take less of a cap hit in year one, that $15 million is going to be reduced at least by some degree by replacing a actual NFL veteran player with Josiah Bronson's uh, $870,000 cap space hit. So that's the biggest difference between the offseason blueprint and the actual reality that we have is we haven't addressed that interior defensive line spot to any degree yet, where I had a free agent addition and a draft selection of a true nose tackle. On the edge, however, uh, the big difference is keeping Emmanuel Agba for another season. I think this is a player who's probably in his last stand with the Dolphins with Emmanuel Agba. But with that said, uh, $17 million cap space, I think the greatest evidence that, that this is the last stand for Emmanuel Agba is they haven't restructured that deal. Because if you restructure that deal with only one year left to go, you're only increasing and deferring the dead cap until 2024, potentially 2024, 2025. If your plan is to keep him, let him stay, work around the contract, and that's exactly what they're doing, and then you can move on with very little dead cap the following season. I nailed the Malik Reed signing, uh, but did not nail the market. I was prepared to offer Malik Reed $3 million to come here and play in South Florida, and he signed for uh, just over one for the Dolphins. And, and of course, his best seasons of play have come with Vic Fangio, so you're very excited about that. But if you got Malik Reed and Andrew Van Ginkle combined for about $3.5 million in cap space this year, which is exactly what they got, and I was prepared to just have Malik Reed and a rookie for the same amount, I think he did really well in the edge group. And of course, keeping Emmanuel Agba only helps the starting capabilities of that group. You have an extra quality starter option who can kick inside and play in the B-gap from time to time, so it does kind of give you some carryover to the interior defensive line. Uh, but all in all, you know, the pillars here were the pillars here. Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, Chubb, Phillips. And then, you know, beyond that, you keep Emmanuel Agba as kind of the next tier down as not a roster cornerstone or a quality starter, but somebody who's a starting caliber player, uh, just a little bit more limited of a player. So that's the front. Uh, I think this was the group that probably uh, saw the reality come out most close from a parallels perspective, even if the players weren't the same, I think the vision and the spending were generally the same. Uh, still winning on that Christian Wilkins contract extension, which I, I was committed to doing back in February, that was uh, had bumped his salary cap by about $4.5 million. Now, we'll see if they still do that, and if they do do that, if 
that means they're going to uh, take a bigger hit this year if they are going to reduce the, the cap space, kind of similar to the Connor Williams thing. But we have the back seven we're going to finish with here on this episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked On Network. I appreciate you guys for checking out the show. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up here with the back seven. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So at linebacker, we have, uh, let's just say a little bit of hardship. Because we have four linebackers that are projected to make the 53 as things currently stand. Now, you could take a leap of faith and say, well, Aubrey Miller Jr. from Jackson State, who obviously we had Jim Nagy on last week, and he had great things to say about Aubrey. But again, when I did the initial cut, I got the 58 players, and Aubrey Miller was on the list. I said, man, am I really going to part ways with Verone McKinley or Trill Williams in favor of keeping a fifth linebacker who is Aubrey Miller that I can maybe hope to get on the practice squad and keep around? My answer was no. Now, what I liked what the Dolphins did was they brought back Duke Riley. They signed a quality starter in free agency. I went out and went to bat for Drew Tranquil. Tranquil didn't have as big of a market as I thought that he would. He actually signed in Kansas City of all teams. They already had three day two picks at linebacker in the last three seasons, and they still signed Drew Tranquil. But they get David Long, and they get him for notably cheaper than what I would have gone to bat for Drew Tranquil for. So I think this is a job well done by Chris Greer to get a great scheme fit in David Long Jr. Obviously, Jerome Baker is back. Duke Riley is back. Channing Tindall was a second or third-round pick last year as the Dolphins' first draft selection. Has all the physical tools. I had selected Ivan Pace in the offseason blueprint mock draft, so I do have room for a rookie linebacker in this room if the numbers end up shaking out where Aubrey Miller kind of is in the fray. But Pace was a player that I think was one of the picks that I had acquired via a hypothetical trade of Cedric Wilson with a pick swap. So uh, the the numbers for the Dolphins to have the salary cap or the, the draft capital to draft a linebacker that would command a roster spot did not line up because the Dolphins didn't make any moves during the actual NFL draft. And that's the hardest part about forecasting an NFL draft, right? Doing a mock draft is if you're going to do trades, like there's got to be two willing parties to make that kind of stuff happen. And the Dolphins just couldn't find it. But I like that the linebacker room added a quality starter. It's a huge upgrade to the top of the position group room. Bringing back Duke Riley, I think is great value, you know, and they got him on a really good value as well versus a linebacker with speed and range who's a special teams contributor. Usually those guys cost a pretty significant amount of money. You know, I was had him on the books for $3.5 million in February. He's less than $2 million in cap space right now. So consistently where I went out and found players like at running back with Raheem Mostert, at, line, at edge rusher with Malik Reed, 
Andrew Van Ginkle, I thought, was going to price himself out of playing in Miami. Duke Riley. You know, that, that this theme's going to continue as well as we get a little bit further down the road here. Uh, Miami found good value with bringing players back or bringing some players in that you knew were obvious fits based on their connections to those who are in South Florida at this point in time. David Long doesn't necessarily have any associations with Miami, but nevertheless is an outstanding scheme fit and is a good economic buy for the Dolphins for comparable contributions when he's on the field. Uh, Cornerback, uh, I did not have the the Dolphins trading for Jalen Ramsey. It's the biggest discrepancy, and it is the biggest domino. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey on the books and having a $2.9 million cap hit this year in exchange for a third-round pick in Hunter Long. (laughs) That moves the needle quite a bit versus what the Dolphins have or had in the back end. And then Cam Smith, you know, the, the other moves that I had, my cornerback room in February was Xavier Howard, Cater Kohu, bringing back Nick Needham and Trill Williams off of injuries, keeping Noe Benogany on the roster, and Shannon Sullivan as a potential nickel-type player. Well, Jalen Ramsey has thrived in the nickel. Well, and guess what? It costs you a third-round pick, your third tight end, and you got Jalen Ramsey, who can play outside and be a stud and can also play in the nickel and be a stud for, at least in this year's salary cap standards, less than a million dollars what we were prepared to give Shannon Sullivan at $2 million in cap space on a one-year $2 million deal. Oh, by the way, you drafted Cam Smith to the, the cornerback room as well. I have the Dolphins keeping seven. Now, that's seven at corner, including Trill Williams, who I think is probably going to get some looks at safety. But um, nevertheless, having seven, and it's Ramsey, Howard, Kohu, Cam Smith, Needham. Needham's your five. And that, that brought me to a player that the Dolphins haven't made a personnel decision on yet. But I think they probably will, and that's Keon Crossan. Crossan is, I understand there's a special teams component here. But Crossan's like your sixth corner. And he's due over $3 million, and none of it's guaranteed. I don't see a scenario in which the Dolphins get through the training camp and down the 53 and say it's more valuable to have Keon Crossan on the roster than to have him off the roster and clear up $3 million in potential carryover cap for you, especially when you re-sign Justin Bethel as another special teams defensive back for a third of the price. And I didn't have them bringing back Justin Bethel. But when you get Justin Bethel for $1.1 million versus Keon Crossan on the books for 3.15, and they're both primarily special teams guy, and neither one of them is going to be higher than CB6 in the cornerback room, how are you going to keep the $3 million player? I don't have Noah Benogany on the roster right now either. The Dolphins can save about $1.1 million by moving on. And then at safety, I had them go out and sign John Johnson. John Johnson's still out there uh, in free agency. I, but I do think between Holland, Brandon Jones, who sounds like he is on schedule to be ready for the start of the season, which is super exciting for Miami, Deshaun Elliott, who they had as a quality depth player that came in, Verone McKinley, who got some looks throughout the course of the season as a UDFA in the back half of the year, uh, Elijah Campbell, who I don't have on the 53, and it really hurt to cut him because I really like him as a player, but... I just think the numbers, again, are stacked. I, I cut down the roster. I had 58. I needed to get rid of five more guys. Campbell was on that list. And then, of course, you have Jason Sanders, Jake Bailey, Blake Ferguson, 
Uh, I had Thomas Morstead coming back. Jake Bailey, they ended up bringing over from New England as well. So that's the differences, and that, that's kind of a contrast with how they spent versus how I would have spent, how they attacked certain position groups versus how I would have attacked certain position groups. And it was really fun to kind of walk back through and put myself back in that mindset of being in February and knowing what we knew about the roster, but not having any of the information on the dominoes that would fall throughout the course of the season. And then you start to do the math and you say, well, okay, what happens if they end up signing Matt Ioannidis? Or what happens if they end up signing Akeem Hicks? Or what happens if they sign Dalvin Cook? And what happens if they find a linebacker that gets cut? And you put those three pieces in and you do the contract extension with Connor Williams that he's looking for and get that taken care of. Like you do those four dominoes and Chris Greer is going to have blown me out of the water with this offseason. That's why he makes the big bucks. And I'm sitting here on YouTube and on your podcast feed telling you what I would do. If you get end up getting Jalen Ramsey, you get David Long on a more economic value than what I would have given to a comparable player to come in and, and play in this system. And then you improve those other spots that are kind of to be determined with this remaining money. And granted, I left myself $16 million to play with, but I hadn't gotten Jalen Ramsey, and I certainly hadn't manipulated his contract the way that they did. I really like what they've done. I think there's some good parallels, and I I don't think my prognosis and my forecast went too far astray in any direction, but the thing that stood out the most to me was this. Chris Greer didn't pay for depth. He got good value with starting potential starting caliber players. He didn't pay for depth, and he instead went out and got Jalen Ramsey. I had, like, Brunskill as an adequate level starter versus Dan Feeney as arguably replacement level player, and I think the other play, the other position group that, that was compromised was um, defensive tackle with Colin Saunders to be your fourth defensive lineman. But that that's uh, that market was hotter than we thought it was going to be. And instead of paying for depth, he paid for another roster cornerstone. An impact player that can win you football games with a big play here and a big play there. And I think that's the biggest difference between what we saw the Dolphins actually do and what the Dolphins would have done on my roadmap. And that works, and that can work, and we've seen that work when the nucleus of the team is in place and stable and thanks to what the Dolphins did from 2019 to 2021, from a draft perspective and a rebuilding perspective, the nucleus is in place, and this can work. And I'm excited to see how it does. But I'm also out of here for the day. It's your team every day. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Shout out to the everydayers. Thank you so much for making Locked on Dolphins a part of your daily routine. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I hope to see you all again tomorrow. We're going to be back with another episode. We are Five days this week. Plan accordingly. Hope to see you then. Fins up. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.